Good afternoon, everyone, and uh, welcome along. My name's Peter, and uh, I'm the host this afternoon, and it's my pleasure to introduce our speaker. AJ, for those of you who haven't met him, uh, will be presenting some fascinating and inspiring information this afternoon that I think will help you in your soul development. AJ travels around the world running uh, groups for interested people, and I feel extremely fortunate that uh, he's come along to uh, talk to us this afternoon, and I'd like you to uh, show your appreciation by giving him a very warm Sunshine Coast welcome. everyone today? Good. <laughs> fragile. I'm <laughs> fragile too. So. so that makes two of us. Yeah, I've had a, I don't know about you, but remember last weekend on Sunday I suggested that you set your intention this week and uh, set your intention to feel your emotions and see what comes up. Did any of you try that out this week? Yes. Yeah? Did you find things uh, happened this week? Yeah. For you emotionally? Yeah, it's interesting. So, so, so I've been uh, crying for most of the week, so, and I don't think it's going to stop soon. So. Um, so if I begin to cry while I'm uh, talking with you, then you'll just understand why I walk out there. <laughs> Do you understand? <laughs> <laughs> I'm personally I'm working through uh, a lot of emotions to do with unworthiness and being unloved and unwanted, and they're very deep emotions I'm finding, and very, 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 very difficult actually to stay in and access completely. And so I find I come into them, and I might spend three or four hours in a day having a good talk about some of them, and then I get out of them again, and then get into a state of anger for a little bit. And then I find I have to get back out of that and into that state again of dealing with the emotion. But I've felt fairly exhausted, and so today I feel fairly exhausted as well. So, uh, so it may, the sessions may not go as long as what we might have planned. Is that all right with everyone? Yes. Okay. But what I would like to do today is talk a lot about the divine path and what it's going to mean for you emotionally. Does that sound good? Yeah. And also, in particular, how to go about doing some emotional clearing work and what are the different things that you might be faced with in the emotional clearing work that you do. So that's what I'd like to focus on today. Mind you, if any of you have any questions about anything that you've seen in the DVDs or any questions that came from last week, feel free to ask them if you can. But what I'm going to do is try to stay on topic um, because I know a lot of you would like to know a lot more about dealing with your emotions mm. and, and how to actually do that. So, all right. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. What I wanted to do firstly is just outline some very, very basic principles about the divine path as to what's involved on progressing in this way of the soul or... Sometimes you might call it the way of the heart. And, and so what I would like to do is just outline some very basic principles. There's actually only three things that you're going to need to do on this path. 
So a child can understand these things. And that's the beauty of this path, is that because a child can understand them, it means that any single one of God's children can become a one with God as long as they do the work involved in becoming at one with God, in, in, in doing these three things, these just three things. So let's write down the three things first. What do you think they might be? Experience your emotions. All right, I'll put that down as number three. Number one and number two. Have a passion for God. Have a passion for God. And let's call, let's call this pray for God's love. Who hates the word pray? Okay, all right. You're allowed to admit anything here, by the way. <laughs> I'm going to define the word pray for you in a minute, and you'll see that it's not anything to do with religion generally. All right, second thing. Now, the second thing is really important because... And we'll talk more about it in, in a lot more detail later. But it's really important because you often hear terminology nowadays of what's my truth or your truth. I have to stay in my truth or your truth. And the truth is that you will not be able to become at one with God unless you learn God's truth. All right? And that is going to be very, very different from your truth. And that's part of the process that you'll be going through, is actually learning the difference between your truth and God's truth. All right. Now that's pretty confronting, isn't it? To actually believe that there's some way that you can actually get to know God's truth. There must be a way. Um, and, it, and that way is going to be very, very important for you in your progression. If you refuse to accept God's truth... <coughs> you will not ever become at one with God. <coughs> now, we'll talk more about that in a minute. The third thing. Humility. What's the definition of humility? Any ideas? To stand under. To stand under? That's being humble. Is that... Is that what God wants us to do? To feel for others. To feel for others? That would be more that like empathy? Yeah, Good. We don't know uh, yeah, well, obviously we don't know everything. That's, that's pretty easy. To know the difference? Can I define it as this? Being willing to feel every emotion that is inside of yourself. And in fact, not just being willing to feel every emotion inside of yourself, but actually wanting to feel every emotion inside of yourself. Can you see why that might be humility? Mm -hmm. There's a few shakes of the head. You can plan to do that. Very vulnerable. You have to be able to overcome What causes you to be proud or what causes you to hang on to your ego? Isn't it the fact that you don't want to feel some emotion inside of yourself in the end? So the only way you're going to be able to let go of this thing called ego or let go of pride is to actually feel 
and be willing to feel everything inside of yourself. That make sense? Yeah. So that's the definition of humility I'd like you to take away from yourself. Be willing to face, and not just willing, have a strong desire to face and feel every single emotion inside of yourself. So let's look at more at the definitions of these three things. What do I mean by pray? What I mean is to develop a desire or longing for God's love to enter into your soul. That's what I mean by pray. So when I say the word pray, it means having a longing in your heart to connect with God and to feel God's love entering you. Now, when I say longing, I'm going to use the word a pure is pure desire. Can you see how that's fairly hard, actually? Isn't it? Like, it's very simple what we need to do on the divine path, but it's not easy. To have a pure desire, it means that every single feeling that I have inside of myself is going to be challenged. So let's say I have a feeling of unworthiness inside of myself. At that instant that I'm feeling that feeling, am I going to be able to receive divine love? No, because I'm not having a pure desire anymore. My, my feelings are I'm unworthy of your love, God. So as soon as I have that feeling, obviously my desire is no longer pure for God's love to enter me, and I will need to let myself be humble enough to feel that emotion of unworthiness. Right? Now, for me, I've been doing that really solid for the last six to eight weeks now. I've been doing it for probably five years, but the last six to eight weeks, really solid trying to focus on feeling those feelings of unworthiness. And it takes you into some really dark places inside of yourself. And if you're unwilling to go there, then, of course, that unworthiness is going to be blocking that connection with God. You follow me? So when I say pray for God's truth, have a pure desire in your heart for truth. Not your own, but God's. But you also, of course, need to have a desire to feel your own. And also to feel the difference between what your truth is and what God's truth is. And that's really hard at times. Because, you know, when somebody comes up and bops you in the nose, what do you want to do? You know, there's a feeling of anger. I didn't deserve that. I want to get them back somehow, right? Now, is that what God does? It's not what God does. So straight away I'm in disharmony with God's truth. Even though it feels so unfair, I, you know, I feel like I want to bop them back. I know that if I bop them back, I am actually in disharmony with God's truth. Right? And I'm going to need to feel the reasons why inside of myself I feel like bopping them back. And that might take a week to sort through all of those feelings, or a month even. Or maybe even a year, it just depends on how long we want to do with it. Definitely a year. Excuse me, what if they bop you again? I mean, you're I think you can feel your desire to pop them back. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I said in the first century to turn the old cheek. 
There's a lot in that, if you think about it. So the answer is yes to your question. So, so you know, if you, if you love yourself enough as well, I mean, isn't it about feeling worthy yourself? Is it okay to let somebody abuse you? Um, if you really felt worthy, and this will get to the law of attraction a little later in our discussion, mm -hmm. but if you really felt worthy, it's highly unlikely you would have attracted the event in the first place. Mm -hmm. And if you have attracted that event, and you're in a state of complete worthiness, which probably means you're at one with God by now anyway, then somebody hitting you won't have any effect on you whatsoever, emotionally. So either way you look at it, you're in the situation because of either the law of attraction, either because you're in a state of truth or in a state of error that you need to deal with. So if somebody has hit you, go into your emotions. Feel those emotions. That is what's going to help you no longer attract that event. Now, sure, in that process that you go into the emotions, and we'll talk about this in a lot more detail, when you go into the emotions and feel the causal emotions, what will actually happen then is that you'll no longer desire to be around people who are going to hit you. But the truth is you walk up to a person and as soon as you meet them, you'll know they'll be able to hit you if you're in that state. And you will then decide, do I want to have more to, much to do with this person at this moment? Or, you know, I can just love them and, but go on my way. So you would not even be, let's say we're in an abusive relationship. We would not even be in an abusive relationship if we was in the, were in the state of at one with God. So you can see how there's truth mixed with some error in amongst the whole thing. We'll talk more about those details as we, after we've covered this kind of thing. Would you, would you explain that as an example about your crucifixion? Like law of attraction and turning the other cheek and you being at it one minute, meaning it didn't really affect you emotionally at all? No. But physically? Um, even physically it didn't affect me. Did you have the choice to not have you affected or it just didn't? The, um, a lot of people talk about the crucifixion in terms of a... Um, an issue of the law of attraction. The truth is that I did attract it. Okay. And the truth is the reason why I attracted that, attra attracted that event is because inside of me I had this strong desire to, to be in a state of truth wherever I went. Now, of course, what that's going to do is attract around you lots and lots of people who are in error. Mm -hmm. And kind of truth and error always will be in disharmony with each other. Now, those people in error wanted to harm me, of course. So that was, their, that was their desire, to harm me. Now, at every single place that I went to, I had a chance to avoid that harm. But I made choices at times where I decided not to. Right? So there was a time, like three years before the crucifixion, where I was stabbed, for example, and I healed that straight away. So, you know, it didn't affect me. It didn't, it didn't have any personal emotional impact on me. In the crucifixion, the night before, before I died... Um, quite a few spirits came and warned me if I stayed in the place that I was staying in that it would be a high likelihood I'd die, high likelihood I would die the next day. And I chose for other bigger reasons to actually stay. Yeah. Because there were, there were things that needed to be proven which no matter what I said could never be proven <coughs> without somebody putting them into practice. And one of those things was, 
how would anybody ever believe that what I was saying about death not being of any importance? How would anybody ever believe that there was no such thing really as death? The only way was for somebody to die that they knew and that somebody to come back and actually stand in front of them and show them that they're still alive. Okay. And that's what I chose to do. So it was a choice. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, you know, obviously I wanted to put off my death as long as I possibly could. But by that stage, what had happened is that almost every person around me still didn't believe what I was saying to them about death. Even my own soulmate did not believe what I was saying to her about death. And so in the end, the only way, once you get to a certain point in, in presenting truth, the only way you can demonstrate it is by demonstrating it with your own life. That's what I chose to do. You're not in the same situation this time, though, are you? Well, I don't know. We may be at some point, but I don't think so. Most of you believe in an afterlife, do you not? Yeah, that you believe that there is something beyond? Yeah. Well, in the first century, that wasn't the case. There was this very, very hazy beliefs about afterlife, particularly amongst the Jews. Now, the Greeks were different, of course. You know, they had a lot stronger viewpoints about the afterlife, and you know, Plato and Aristotle and all those kind of teachers that came sort of seven or eight hundred years before myself, they all taught all of those things about the soul. But, but the, Jew, the Jews and the Jewish faith were very, were very earthy. And, and in a lot of ways still are very earthy. That's why they focus so much upon their own country's defence. Because they're very focused on you know, what's going on in the physical. Yeah. So, yeah, so they were decisions that I'd made at the time. Mm. Yeah. Alright, so to pray means to have a pure desire for God's love. In the first instance, to pray for God's truth, have a pure desire for God's truth. Not your own truth, have a pure desire for God's truth. You're also going to need to have a pure desire to know your own truth too. But more importantly, you need to have a pure desire to know God's truth. And then thirdly, you'll need humility. And humility is? Having a desire... In fact, I would say having a passionate desire to feel all of your own emotions. Yeah. How, how, do, you, how do you generate that? What's well, the process? We'll talk about that as well. Because obviously when we start this process, it's very difficult for us to have a passionate desire about anything, in many cases, right? Or we might find we have a passionate desire for everything that feels good. But we have a passionate desire to avoid. <laughs> so, you could say humility is a passionate desire to feel every emotion inside of myself, whether it is painful or pleasurable. Now, that's tricky, isn't it? How many of you want to feel pain? <laughs> There'll be a few who have gone through this process and in the end they want to feel everything, which means they want to feel pain, right? I certainly want to feel everything. So I want to feel my pain as well. The only way you're going to have, be able to progress on the divine love path is to feel and have a desire to feel everything inside of you. And let's face it, there's a lot of painful emotions inside of us, isn't there? Right? You think about this week. How many of you this week have felt unloved at some point? 
That's quite a lot, isn't it? Like that's just one week of, and that's quite a painful emotion. Right? How many of you this week have felt jealous? Yeah. I have to, by the way. I'm putting on my hand with this. How many of you this week felt angry with something? Right? How many felt annoyed? Just annoyed. Okay. Right? How many of you didn't want to feel those feelings? <laughs> we need to have a passionate desire to feel those feelings. So how do we get from having a passionate desire to avoid those painful feelings to having a passionate desire to feel those feelings? Any suggestions? Recognising that Without that, we can't know God. True. So, in other words, how important is our relationship with God to us? How, is it, how important is it to be at one with God to us? How important is it to know absolute truth? Do I have a real dedication inside of my heart to know absolute truth? Or am I afraid? Am I afraid? You can see that fears are going to be challenged straight away, aren't they? When we were talking before, I asked you about, you know, what is the purpose of this life that, we, that we're living? And I thought it'd be nice if you could share what your answer was to me for everybody, because perhaps uh, that would help with motivation. <laughs> perhaps. Not always. Though. The purpose, obviously, of our life is for us to experience God's love. That's the purpose. That's the reason why God created you. It's exactly the same reason when you think about it, if you have a pure desire to have children. The reason why you had that pure desire to have children was so that your children could experience your love. Right? How many wasn't there? It was something else. It was an accident. In a pure sense, you can see that if we have a pure desire to have a child, then our pure desire will be to give that child all the love that we can give. In other words, to share our love. And in fact, that's why God made it that way, to teach us more about God. God has a pure desire to share her love with you. Right? And that's the reason for your creation, in fact. And that desire was so intense that the instant God had it, you came into being. I'm talking as a soul. Have, have everyone seen this? Is there any that have not seen the introductory DVDs? There's a few. Okay. Yeah, well, so there will be things I talk about today that may lose you a bit, if that's the case. If you can get to see them, that would be really good. Um, rather than go through them again for the majority, we've already, many of us have been through them once or twice already, so... Um, rather than do that, what I'll do is we'll be referring to some of these things and you might need to just do a bit of extra research for those who haven't seen it. And we've got plenty of copies now um, in the office if they want them. The DVDs? Mm -hmm. Awesome. And one, while I'm at it too, obviously it takes Peter quite a lot of money and time to get these things copied and everything. And I think you've put a donation tin up the back, haven't you, Peter, for anybody who wants to contribute to that. So... Um, Everything here is just contribution style. So if you would like to contribute to that, that would be good. So, so can I just say, with that, what you were saying before, to 
Are you saying to feel your feelings? Um, and the purpose around that is, in a sense, healing to to get to know yourself. To know yourself is also um, a way then to become one with God, to know God. Yeah. Let's just let's just summarise the process here. Here's God. So this is God. Here's you. This is your half. You're a half of the soul, actually. So there's you. There's a connection that can be established between God and you. But your soul is your emotions, your feelings. Anything else it is? Passions. Passions. Desires. Memories. Aspirations. And so forth, right? There's quite a... In fact, there are literally hundreds of characteristics or attributes of the soul. This is you. This is the real you. Not your body, not your physical body or your spirit body, but the real you is actually behind those two things. It's your soul. And the only way that God connects with you is soul to soul. Now, what's love? <coughs> An emotion. So, if I'm going to feel God's love, what am I going to need to do? Feel my emotions. If I'm unwilling to feel my own emotions, how can I feel an emotion that God has for me? Very difficult, isn't it? How can you feel loved when you're not allowing yourself to feel any emotion? Obviously, you're not going to even know when you're loved, are you? But if you can allow yourself to feel these things, then what straight away happens is your soul becomes open to a connection with God. Does that make sense? Now, the connection is sometimes referred to as the Holy Spirit. Right? And rather than get all religious on you, the Holy Spirit is actually a conduit. You could think of it like an electrical cord that connects God with you. So you, you can imagine yourself got a plug on your crown chakra, right? and God's got a plug, and there's this cord called the Holy Spirit, and God's just waiting to plug this cord into you. Right? Just waiting to plug the cord into you. always go in the crown. <laughs> so that's, but it's in the soul. Of course it doesn't go in a crown physically, because this is our physical body, and we're talking about the plug's actually in our soul, right? The plug is in your feelings, your emotions, your passions and desires. What actually happens is when you open up yourself and you begin to have a desire for God's love to enter you, what that basically is uncovers your plug. And the Holy Spirit plugs into you. The Holy Spirit is this conduit. So you can think of it as a conduit. You know what I mean by that? A cord or a cable, a conduit, for, via which the love flows. From God into you. Right. Now, the Holy Spirit is sometimes also called the Spirit of Truth. So, what does that tell you about the Holy Spirit? The conduit, the plug. The plug can only go into you when you are in a state of truth. As soon as you are not in a state of truth, and I'm talking in relative to God's truth here, then there's a disconnection. And you need to use your will, your desire, your passion to sort out why you don't want to be in a state of truth. 
Now, it could be that you're just very, very angry with men. And, you know, and the only problem is that half, you could say, half of God's qualities are masculine. <laughs> so you're in trouble. You're, you're denying half of God. You know, right? Could be that, right? Or you could just be very upset with women, right? And half of God's qualities are feminine. So obviously you're not going to be able to feel love coming from the feminine side of God if inside of yourself you're angry with the feminine or the masculine. Can you see that? So this Holy Spirit or the Spirit of Truth is the thing, the conduit, that is established by one thing. And it's by prayer. And what did I define prayer as? The pure desire. Now, when you develop a pure desire in your heart to actually long for God, when you long for God, that begins opening up your soul. Now, how many of you, when you watched the DVDs, the very first DVDs about the introduction one of the universe, how many of you felt really different during that and afterwards? How many of you felt really different when you were watching it? Because your soul was beginning to open up. And as soon as your soul begins opening up, you start becoming more and more emotional. That's the natural result of your soul opening up. Emotional is good. <laughs> Isn't that like... So many of us feel it's bad, don't we? Yeah. How, how, you look at the world today. Isn't it geared for emotional suppression? Yes. yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you go to work. Are you allowed to cry at work? No. Uh, why is that? doesn't make any sense. Like, it's eight hours of your day and lots of stress. Of course you're going to want to cry at times of work, don't you? Right? Yeah. And then they can give you things like stress leave. Why do they have to do that? Because you didn't cry. <laughs> Isn't that right? Yeah. Okay. So, what we're desiring is God's love to flow through into the soul. But can you see why I'm talking also about praying for God's truth? Because this conduit that establishes the connection between you and God can't be established without truth. Without you being in a state of truth in comparison to God. Which is not the same as me saying you being in a state of truth in comparison with yourself. Or with the world around you even. The world around us is not in a state of truth, is it? If it was, would we even be having to sit here no. listening to these things? Of course we wouldn't. We'd already be in it, right? We would already all be at one with God. We'd be right. Okay. Does the physical body feel it as well, or is it only the spirit? Initially, it's hard for the physical body to feel the inflow of divine life, but as the feelings intensify, the feelings that change inside of the soul cause major changes in both the spirit and material bodies. So yes, the spirit and physical bodies will definitely feel the changes that are going on inside of the soul. Remember that this is a soul-to-soul -soul connection. So we're not talking about anything physical here. We're not talking about any spirit body mechanism, metaphysical, either. We're talking about the real you, which is your emotions, feelings, passions and delights. That's the area of you that is the most powerful. And that is the area that connects with God. And that makes sense when you think about it, doesn't it? 
God has all of these feelings, the dominant one being love. They are all emotional, are they not? Yeah. How do you feel when you love another? Isn't it, doesn't it take up a lot of your life? <laughs> it's beautiful, isn't it? Yeah. I can feel a lot of negative feelings about love there. If there's negative feelings about love, it's not love. It's something else. Trust me. Alright? Alright, so love is a beautiful, passionate, desirous thing, is it not? Okay. That's why everybody wants it, don't they? Because of that. Now, love is an emotion, so therefore I am going to have to be emotional if I am going to want to experience love completely. But what we often do is we say, yeah, yeah, love, yeah, that's great. I'm happy to be emotional when I'm experiencing love. But I'm not happy to be emotional when I'm experiencing pain or jealousy or anger or any of these other things. I'm not happy to be emotional then. Or the biggest one that usually we're not happy with is grief. If you have read many books about emotional work, I don't know how many of you have read books about emotional work, but there's some very, very good ones around nowadays. Um, there's a man, John Bradshaw, have any of you heard of him? He made one called Homecoming. Very good book. And he mentions that grief is the healing emotion. Grief is the healing emotion. If you are not prepared to feel your grief, you will never heal. Wanting to understand, believing in the scientific process. Yep. So our, our schooling and the, being a teacher, the passage of schooling teaches us to make sense of things and that's a that's in the mind. It's make sense and measure and yeah. calculate and why do we need that? Well it, it helps us it does help us to have understanding of where we're at and measure it against it helps us to process. It doesn't it actually but it shuts down feelings. Yeah it it, the truth is that our mind is meant to be, and the way God designed our mind, is it's just meant to be the stupid servant of our soul. <laughs> you mean obedient? Yeah, and stupid. It is stupid. When you think about your mind, you go and do something, and half the time in a day, you've got no idea why. <laughs> be honest. How much time in a day do you spend doing something, and if you really sat down and felt about it, you'd realise you didn't want to do it? You've got no idea why you're doing it. You just Why is that? Because you're not trusting your soul and your mind has become dominant. You feel you have to do it. Right? You're not trusting what's inside of here. You're wanting to do it. You're wanting to do something different. Right? And this is the problem with your mind. is If you let your mind be dominant, you are going to do a lot of things in your life that you're going to regret later. How many have done things that are regrettable? <laughs> <laughs> so that's right. <laughs> because we haven't followed our, our feelings about things, right? And I'm not talking about our feelings that are negative, because that's a different kettle of fish. I'm talking about feelings that are positive in terms of pure desire type of feelings. Right? When you follow those, everything always works. Aj, how can you tell the difference between intuitiveness and the mind? 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, intuitive intuition is from the soul. <coughs> the mind is just the intellect, obviously. So that 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 two the source of those two feelings, if you like, are totally different. Right? Intuition is of the soul, and we'll talk more about sort of how to start trusting your intuition. Mind you, if my emotions in my soul are very negative, for example, if I have these huge feelings of unworthiness, where's my intuition going to lead me now? It's going to lead me down into attracting all of this unworthy things, triggering this unworthiness. I'm going to be treated unworthily, aren't I? With the law of attraction. So bear in mind that only when we connect in a way with God's truth is our intuition even trustworthy. Does that make sense? AJ, I found that if, if a thought process goes away or it diminishes, it loses impact, I know I've gotten in the way. Yeah. But if a process comes from my soul and it's an intuition... <coughs> It keeps its intensity and I, the desire remains constant. But it's a sensitive product kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. But I do find that I, when I get in the way, it diminishes. Mm. And I don't, I don't have that follow through or that desire. Or, so that might help. That yeah, no, that, that is often the case. Yeah. But bear in mind that what we're talking about here is there are two different influences on the soul. We'll talk more about that in a minute. So let's say our mind. There's our mind. Get used to it. Your mind is no good at determining truth. Right? The reason why is because all the truths that God created are soul truths. In fact, there's a whole... The only area that you'll ever be able to progress to in the spirit world, if you trust your mind, is the sixth sphere. Because when you trust your mind, you're not trusting anything outside of your mind, generally. You've become self-reliant rather than God-reliant. Right? You're trusting, you're not, there's this whole area of truth, and in fact the majority of the truths of the universe are based around soul truths. They're not based around the intellect at all. So if you are constantly trying to use the intellect to work out truth, eventually you're going to work out so much truth to the degree of a six-fear spirit, but you will not progress beyond that point. Right? Now, it's a lovely place to be, the six-fear. Right? And on the, even on the earth, it's a lovely place to be. There are many people on earth who are, who, who are channeling spirits who are in that state. But it's not the soul truths. Yes? Um, I was just... Um, the mind thing, because I think I'm definitely mind-dominant. Um, we're using the... The, the um, example you gave before of someone bopping now, if I was to follow my, um, like the feelings I got, I probably would bop them back, but I use my mind to neutralize that. Like, okay, yeah, this is the trouble, right? See, a lot of times the feelings inside of us are quite negative. Right? And if we followed them, what would happen? Yeah, how many of you felt like murdering someone this week? <coughs> Nobody. No. Not this week. Last week, <laughs> last week there were <laughs> It's a fortnightly thing. It's a fortnightly thing. Yeah. <laughs> so it's only every payday. Or something. 
quite often we will have a desire that is negative. Very true. Now, when we have a desire that is negative, what do we do with it? Now, if we follow just our emotions under those circumstances, then obviously we would probably act on that emotion and do something very negative, which would actually harm our soul again. But what we need to do, if we are fully choosing, if we are humble, what we will do is we will feel that emotion. Oh, I feel like killing Joe Blow. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder what emotion is underneath that that I don't want to feel. What emotion inside of me is underneath that that I don't want to feel. Oh, well, he just stole my million dollars that I had in my bank. And now I'm destitute. Hmm. <laughs> what emotion did that bring up for me? What emotion did it bring up for you? He stole all of your money. Fear. Fear. Anger. But these are not emotions. These are capping emotions. What's underneath those? Rage is another capping. Insecurity. I'm unsafe. And I don't want to feel unsafe. So in order to not feel unsafe, what am I willing to do? Get angry. And in order to... And then I feel really angry. I feel, in fact, in a rage. So I'm willing now to even consider murdering the person. Right? Why? Because I wasn't humble enough to feel the underlying emotion. So when I say feel the emotions, what I'm actually talking about is feeling the causal emotion, not feeling the effect-based emotions. And we'll deal with this more in a minute. Do you understand the difference between a causal emotion and an effect emotion? An effect emotion is anger or fear. They're all effects. They're not the real reason why you're feeling what you're feeling. They're just the reasons that you select in order to not feel the underlying emotion. They are the choices you make so that you don't have to feel the underlying emotion which is even more difficult for you to feel. Do you follow me? So, in the case, all of my money has been stolen. I'm feeling fear that that's not the real emotion. Right? The real emotion is actually underneath the fear. I'm feeling anger, but that's not the real emotion. The real emotion is underneath the anger. That's the emotion I need to let myself feel. And I choose anger, and I choose fear, and I choose these other things in order to not feel the underlying emotion, the causal emotion, the core emotion that created these other feelings. So when I'm talking about becoming soul dominant, I'm saying don't do those things, because those things are actually the mind choosing to deny the underlying emotion. When you no longer deny the underlying emotion, whatever that is, then those emotions will not come up in you. So, uh, one day this week, I think it was about Wednesday, yeah, I was feeling quite angry Wednesday. And uh, with, for me, anger is sort of like a brief thing, like a few minutes and... Normally, you know, I usually just sit down straight away and then just look at what's going on inside of me. Why am I feeling this anger? And, and what came up for me was uh, 
I was angry with my soulmate. I was angry with my girl about something she did in the first century, actually. (laughs) 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 Somebody said, get over it. (laughs) But you see, for me, with my emotions, what's happening is every time I have memories, it's like the thing happened yesterday. You follow me? So it's a bit like if you're an abuse survivor and all of a sudden you have a memory of the abuse that you survived when you were younger. It's like that memory, it's like that abuse happened yesterday to you. That's how it feels. Like it's very strong, powerful emotion. So even, my, I know it sounds funny, but even my first century emotions feel like they happened yesterday. And what happened in the first century was my soulmate did cheat on me. Right? We were together and she left. And, um, and I was just feeling lots and lots of uh, anger about that. And I sat down and had to look at what I don't want to feel. I was feeling jealous anger. And, uh, and a bit of sexual sort of anger as well, you know, like sexual jealousy. Mm. And I, I was trying to, you know, initially I just got into the anger and I was... <laughs> I've got a 40 acre property and I, I was uh, pulling out a mother of millions you know, <laughs> of this land and, uh, and I'm still trying to work out God must have created it for some reason I'm still trying to work out. <laughs> that's a different story um, <laughs> anyway I started I'm pulling out his mother of millions, you know, grumbling to myself and being upset about my soulmate cheating on me in the first century. (laughs) (laughs) Why you will find it so funny? (laughs) It wasn't funny. (laughs) Anyway, I allowed myself to go into the underlying emotions, and um, a lot of them come up like being unwanted, undesirable. You know, all of these feelings about that I was feeling about myself now. Which, by the way, I didn't feel in the first century. But because of these reflected emotions through my mother's injuries this time around, I, had all, I have all of these emotions now based on those memories. And so I was feeling unloved, undesirable, unwanted, uh, and, and quite a number of other things which I finished up trying to connect to. And I'm still trying to connect to. Does that make sense? The jealousy and the anger were just suppressing what was underneath. And I didn't want to go what was underneath because it felt too painful. So at that moment, was I fully choosing to be humble? No. I can only be, when I'm humble, I will feel the underlying causal emotion, the one that I'm trying to avoid with my anger. Are you trying to get back to the event in, in this childhood that made you feel like that, or are you just connecting with the feeling? And in the end, if you connect with the feeling, you will probably always get back to the event. But, but connect to the feeling. Um, any of you who have survived childhood abuse, particularly sexual abuse, would know that you blocked out many of your memories. You repressed them, right? <coughs> Why did you repress them? Because you didn't want to feel the emotional attachment to that memory. So what often happens is we have an event that occurs that creates an emotion. We don't want to feel that emotion, so we tune out of that emotion. 
And that also means that the event is no longer remembered either. We repress it. Right? And this is what all of us do with emotions that we don't want to feel. We finish up going into states of denial. And there's lots of different states of denial, and I'll list a few. I brought, I got a few little quotes, actually, from the Homecoming book that have helped me a lot. And, uh, and I'll list some of those things for you, too, that might help you. I don't quite understand what you said about you... you your emotions, because you've experienced from your mother's emotions, now you're feeling the betrayal in the first century. It's just... Um... All right, let's, look, let's just answer briefly. The, I've answered this before, but let's answer it briefly. Um, your soul contains memories. When you get into a 20-second sphere condition, those memories remain in your soul, but they are not emotional. They are just events. <coughs> that make sense? When you incarnate, the biggest emotion, you incarnate into the womb of your mum, right? And your dad is in your life too, obviously. And those emotions together, once you incarnate, are impressed upon, you're in there, right? They're impressed upon your soul. And every one of those memories then take on an emotional perspective, based on the emotions that your mother and your father both feel. You follow me? That's what happens when you reincarnate. So this is why reincarnation is not very good if you want to clear away the like, this way. And, and honestly, <coughs> most uh, Eastern religions say that reincarnation is necess necessary for clearing karma. The truth is that if reincarnation was necessary for clearing karma, no single person on earth would ever get cleared, or in the spirit world, would ever get cleared of all the damage. <clears throat> in the spirit world, people progress from one sphere to the next sphere to the next sphere to the next sphere, and they don't come back to earth to do that. And the reason why they can do that is because they can clear away their karma as they progress in the spirit world. So there is no need to reincarnate for the purpose of clearing away old baggage. You follow me? Yep. Yeah. Why do we take on? Do we take on um, parents or impressed their emotions impressed on child um, so that you can help and them feel their feelings? Well, let's let's look how God firstly created it. God firstly created it so the parents had no emotional baggage. Now, if the parents have no emotional baggage. When the child incarnates, the child would have no emotional baggage. Now, that'd be great, wouldn't it? You would have no problems going through your life. You'd be happy from the moment you were born. You wouldn't be born crying. Do you think you'd be born crying? Of course not. Right? You'd be born smiling. Yeah? And your whole life would be a joyous experience, right? Now, God created it that way, but what man has done is made a choice to walk away from God. And in that choice, what we do is we become self-reliant. And in the choice of becoming self-reliant, we then choose a lot of things that are disharmonious with love. And in the process of that, every one of those disharmonies with love becomes a part of our emotional being. So my mum, and her mum, and her mum, and her mum, and I'm not just saying mum, my mum and dad, and her mum, their parents, and their parents, and their parents, and their parents, have passed down, if you like, this constant emotional baggage onto each subsequent generation. That's not what God intended to do. To happen. But God knew it could happen if a person walked away 
from God. And as we walk closer to God, this will not happen. And in the future, in around, you know, probably around 100 years or so time, there will be lots and lots and lots. In fact, the majority of people on earth being born will not have emotional damage. So could you say that emotions are actually hereditary um, in the sense that, for example, my mother and my sister have both been raped. Yep. And so does that mean that it was from, it was even possibly my grandmother and further up those Definitely. until the generation chooses to deal with that, then that... That's right. So if your sister dealt with the rape emotionally completely, her child, if she had a girl child, would not be raped. Right? Now, I'm not saying that, the, that it's to do, there's lots of faults here. What happens is the emotional damage that rape causes to the woman is very, like, it's obviously very damaging. Even, but it's not quite as damaging as the emotional damage caused by abuse, sexual abuse as a child, obviously. But that's the most damaged sexual-based crime that you can commit to anyone. And usually, people who have been raped have also had some kind of childhood sexual abuse in many cases. So what happens is if the parent doesn't clear away that emotion and the child incarnates into their, like, into their womb, in the case of a mother, then if the child is a girl child, they're going to, they're going to accept all of the feminine things or the feminine-based injuries that mother's going to have. Agreed? And so then it becomes like a subsequent generational thing. There's a message in the Paget Messages where Luke talks about um, passing down sin from generation to generation, multi-generational sin. It's worth reading because it's about that. It's about the emotions that are being passed down to, from generation to generation. And even beliefs get passed down in the same manner. They're all emotions. They get passed down in a similar manner. Yep. So every single emotion you had in yourself when you were... Like when you became pregnant, for all of you ladies that have been pregnant, automatically got passed in to your children at that moment. And that's why they work up crying. <laughs> because you need to cry, actually. <laughs> they're just reflecting your emotions, you see. The beauty of a child is they're a pure reflection of your emotions that you are not letting yourself feel. So, when, do, when, do that, when does that child who's got that those emotions from the mother, when, when does that child clear the mother's emotions? Um, it, it may not ever do it until it passes into the spirit world, and even then for many hundreds of years. It just depends on it exercising its will to actually... Which is that that's feeling the emotions? To experience the emotion. To, feel it, yeah. to actually feel it and release, yeah. 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 Is it easy to process emotions in the spirit world? Um... Some, some parts of it are easier and some parts of it are harder. And perhaps if I can illustrate. Um, it's easier in the spirit world with emotions sometimes because you can see the emotion flowing out of you when you're experiencing it. So like if you have anger coming out of you, you'll see it like barbs coming out of you. And there'll be colour, a colour coming out of you as well. And it will be noxious to everyone around you. So you'll see it. You'll see it actually occurring if you're like able to feed... To, if you want to see it, you will see it. So that sometimes makes it easier, yes, to say to myself, well, yes, I do have anger, or yes, I do have grief, or yes, I do. And it makes it easier for me to recognise my emotion. But on the other hand, it can be quite hard, too. You think about it. If there is no law preventing you from doing anything 
in disharmony with love. I will shorten that to anything wrong from God's perspective. But, and if there's no law, then what are you going to do if you feel like doing it? <coughs> You're just going to do it, aren't you? So let's say you were a man on earth and you never raped a woman ever on earth. Right? But you had a feeling quite often inside of you that you wanted to. Right? When you pass, what's going to happen? That emotion is going to be pretty strong inside of you and you'll realise that there's no law preventing you from trying to do that. And what are you going to do? You're going to come to earth and perv on every naked woman. You're going to do... Aren't you? You think about it. If that's what you want to do in your heart, you would do it, wouldn't you? Now, it's very hard then to stop yourself from doing it and deal with the underlying emotional reason why you do it. Do you follow me? Uh, that created a lot of fear in a lot of you, this, that statement. <laughs> why, is that? why do you feel fear? How many of you ladies hate feeling like you're being sexually objectified? Right. Yeah. That's an emotion you will need to deal with. Because that's an emotion too. That will attract these kind of people around you who will sexually objectify you until you feel that emotion. Does that make sense? The law of attraction, if you have a feeling inside of yourself that you hate being sexually objectified, you will attract men who sexually objectify you. In order for you to experience what's underneath that emotion. And we'll talk more about the law of attraction in a minute. You know, AJ, you had a divine uh, connection with God. God wouldn't allow that to happen, would he? Um, whether, when you say God wouldn't allow that to happen, God allows every single person to have free will. So a person can attempt to sexually objectify you. Of course, if it has no effect on you, then will will it matter to you? It won't, will it? I'm talking about spirit form. I am talking about either form. Yeah, I'm talking about either form. So, so if you're at one with God as a spirit, would you even have a feeling that you want to you know, project sexual energy at somebody who doesn't want it from you? You wouldn't, would you? But if you are not at one with God, you may have that desire. But if you're at one with God here on earth, wouldn't you care if they tried to do it? It would just bounce right back off you, wouldn't it? Mm -hmm. It wouldn't have any effect on you. It wouldn't affect you emotionally. And you wouldn't attract it. And, in the majority of cases, you wouldn't even attract it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. yeah. We'll talk more about the law of attraction as we go on. Did that answer the question that we started with, which was the memories? So my memories from the first century, right... That, that was the question that was first asked. My memory, so you're looking at me, here's my soul, my memories from the first century. <laughs> and when I incarnated in this century, all of those memories got emotional attachments to them because of the emotions of my parents. So now I'm having to re-experience all of these memories through this emotional filter of my parents. And I didn't have to do that in the first century. So. Wouldn't you have chosen some without those? There's no one on earth without them. 
AJ, has anyone got into this state that we're that we're talking about? On earth. Has anyone achieved it? Uh, only once. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel that all of you here will achieve it. What makes you feel that? Because you have a desire to, don't you? Yes. yes. Yeah. And you, don't you have a desire to keep seeking truth? Don't you have a desire to feel bliss? Yes. Yes. Isn't that why you're here? Yes. So now that you know how to do it, won't you do it? Yep. Of course. So yeah, the majority of you here, within a very short period of time, and when I say short period, I don't mean... No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, give us, give, <laughs> give yourself a few years. <laughs> like it's impossible for you to deal with all of your emotions like that. The reason why? Because it would kill you. It would kill you. Like most of us have such big sad and grieving type emotions to deal with, that if we could feel them all instantly, we wouldn't cope with it emotionally inside of ourselves. Uh, we'd die from the experience. So you need to learn to trust that your soul will do it at the speed that you want to. Of course, you can control the speed. So if you have a pure desire to feel every emotion, then the speed will be as rapid as it can possibly be, given your emotional damage. But if you have a desire to suppress the painful emotions, then the speed is going to be... It's just not convenient right now. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> there goes one third of my life, I'm aware. Oh, All right. Every time that I'm with some friends, there goes maybe another, what, sort of one fifth of my life. Yeah. Every time I'm asleep, well, you can actually choose to do it when you're asleep. Yeah. So, you know, but then again, you might be having quite a bit of fun when you're asleep. So, let's say, uh, you know, get rid of another fifth of your life there. And then, by the end, what are we left with? Like, one twentieth of our life where we're dealing with our emotions. <laughs> now, of course, if it's like that, then it's going to just dribble out, isn't it? Mm. All right? But if we actually fully choose, if we fully commit to dealing with all of our emotions, no matter what they are, whether they're painful or pleasurable, what will happen is you can stay in a state where you're dealing with it sort of 80, 90, 100%. In the end, the only time you'll become 100% of the time is when you're at one with God. But you can be up there in the 50 to 60, 70% mark of dealing with your emotions as they occur. But you're going to probably have to make some different choices in your life to do that. So how many people would their boss would not allow it? Like the majority probably, yeah. You know, if they noticed you crying all the time of day, they'd want to go and send you to a psychiatrist to stop you crying. <laughs> so why is it that people choose work and a profession that doesn't allow them? I guess, is, is the soul's passion the, the doorway to into, those, into a space, a comfort zone to be able to feel your emotions? And so do you lead a life that allows you to be at one with God and reach that? Do you want to feel your passions and follow them? Like, I have a passion for traveling. It's like, when I'm traveling, it's like I'm at the core of myself. I know yep. exactly what's going on. And intuitively, it's like I have eyes in the back of my head. Yeah. So is it the... Is that... The, are those 
attributes of your soul exact always where you Yes. And the and the attributes of your soul where you want to deny are the same. So if you do like if you have a true desire in your heart right now to not deal with pain, then that's what's going to happen. What's going to happen is you're going to attract lots of situations where you'll be able to avoid your pain. Right? That's a natural consequence. Workaholic. A workaholic is a person who does that. Yeah. Yeah. Let's call it all. Let's put it all in one big bracket. Call it addictions. Right? Addictions are all <coughs> denial. Now, when I say addictions, I'm not just talking about like alcohol or drugs or sex or any of those kind of. I'm talking about even just day to day things where we're addicted to certain things. Who's addicted to hugs? <laughs> it's a form of denial. Wow. Means you get withdrawn yeah. if you don't do it. Well, that's the form of addiction in, in the hugging. If you don't do the hug, you don't feel. If if somebody doesn't rejected. hug you, how do you feel? Rejected or whatever. So so what are you avoiding? Feeling the feeling of rejection. Like if somebody doesn't hug you, there's a, there's this. I think I told you this last Sunday, where there was this couple who walked in the door and he had all these neediness emotions he wants hugs all the time, right? So I went up and hugged her and left him alone. He got quite upset, you know? <laughs> Well, it wasn't loving for me to hug him, was it? Because what was he trying to do with the hug? Avoid his emotions. Is it love for me to help you avoid your emotion? No. It's love for me to help you access your emotion. So... If we want to have all the club that we all avoid each other's emotion, then we skirt around emotion and make each other feel good. Is that going to be the path, you think? No. Isn't that called therapy? Yeah. Isn't that called I didn't think about it at all. Yeah, I didn't think about it at all. And I love Michael, like the guy. He's a really lovely person. Um, but I didn't think about it at all. And he felt, I felt his offence. Like he was offended. He felt that I was treating him inconsistently. So, and, and when you start feeling at the soul level, a lot of people around you will start telling you that you're being inconsistent. But in reality, what you're doing is you're being consistent with their emotions. Follow me? Yeah. So when you're consistent with a person's emotion, what will happen is you'll feel whether that emotion is a pure desire or not. And if that emotion is a pure desire and you have a feeling that is also pure, you will respond. Right? But if the emotion is an impure desire, you will not help them to satisfy their own impure desires. And when I say impure, I mean out of harmony with love all the time. So, facing, facing the real pain is really difficult. Is it as simple as just simply saying, on, Jenny tells Jenny, I'm going to do this? Is it as simple as that? And um, when, when you're in it, um, is there anything that you can do to help, help unblock, help... Yeah. Certainly. We'll talk about that in a lot of detail over the next couple of days, actually. Right. In answer to your first question, though, how many of you have told yourself you want to be happy? 
How many of you are actually happy all the time? So does telling yourself anything really work? <laughs> now, I know that might sound pretty basic, right? But isn't it true? Like, if you intellectually tell yourself something, it doesn't actually mean anything to the soul. Because it's the emotions that are governing everything that's happening within you. Right? So how are you going to be happy? The only way is for every single emotion inside of you that is unhappy to be out of you. Isn't it? How does it get out of you? Yeah, it's not, it's not writing them down on a piece of paper, screwing it up, throwing it in the fire, so... I release you. It's not that. That does not work. Know why you're blocked up. You know, you don't always know. Why uh, yeah, I realise that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like I'm, to I was totally clueless this week. <laughs> I'm totally clueless a lot of the time, really. <laughs> let's look at let's look at the reasons for the blocks. All right, the denials, right? Now, there's a few things. I, this comes from I, I think I had a, page 67 on the homecoming book of John Bradshaw. By the way, the book John Bradshaw is very, very good for dealing with, that John Bradshaw wrote called Homecoming, is very, very good for working through emotional pain from childhood. Right? Anyway, this is what he said about denial. Well, he's actually said there's lots of forms of denial, right? So we'll just rub that off and we'll just put on these different forms. There's denial, which is, it's not really happening. Uh, you see this a lot when this began when we were children. The child just heard its foot in pain. Comes out the mummy crying. Mummy puts the child on her breast, taps her back, says there, 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 you don't need to cry, it wasn't that bad. So what's that? It's not really <coughs> what you feel it is. And that's where a lot of this begins, right? right? How many times do you do that in your life? Like you have a feeling that, hang on a sec, my husband's disconnected from me today. Hmm. Oh, it's probably just my imagination. It's probably just my imagination, yeah. It's probably not really happening. <laughs> Repression, he defines as <laughs> it never happened. Very big thing with childhood abuse of all types, but particularly childhood sexual abuse, uh, is complete repression. It never happened to me. My whole life is shown to me that it actually happened to me. But it never happened to me. Overseas, a, a lot I was talking to people who, a lot of people who have been abused as children, and often it began with it never happened to me, and then after they started dealing with different emotions, it, it all of the memories started flowing back of it actually happening to them. But before then, the only proof they had it happened to them was their law of attraction. And they didn't trust their law of attraction. Yeah. Right. 
So if your law of attraction is telling you that you've been abused as a child, you've been abused as a child. Whether you remember it or not. It's immaterial. You've been abused as a child. Or your mother has and it's, the emotion has entered you. Or your father has and that emotion has entered you. So how do you know that that's not um, one of these spirits coming to dump their stuff on you and give you this past life experience? A spirit will only come and dump their stuff on you if they're attracted to you. Why are they attracted to you? Why would a spirit who's, say, been abused as a child come to you? Because they feel the same emotion inside of you. That's the, the law of attractions that work perfectly in every case. So even if it is a spirit influencing you, then there is something inside of you that caused that attraction. So don't be afraid of spirit attractions. They're great. They tell you exactly what's going on inside of you. They're attracted to you for a reason. Yeah? Right. How can you tell if that has happened, that you have attracted a spirit? What do you notice? The truth is that all of you attract in a day many spirits. Some of them will stay with you because they feel a deep rapport with you. They feel an attraction to you based on the emotions that you are feeling inside of yourself that you're probably not conscious of, but they're there inside of yourself. So you don't need to worry about it, even if it is happening. The key is, deal with the emotions inside of yourself that cause it to happen. So there's lots of ways to tell, I suppose you could say. Um, You know, if thoughts just pop into your mind all the time, that along your emotional injury line, then sometimes those thoughts are going to be coming from spirits. But if, in the end, they can't drop a thought into your mind without you already being resonant with it. Right? So there must already be a seed inside of yourself that has that attraction. You follow me? AJ, can they, can they deplete your energy? Can they actually take your energy field? Oh, totally, yes. But the only way that can again happen is because you are not dealing with an emotion that caused the attraction. Then they connect to you. And then they can certainly de- deplete your energy in that particular part of your body. So m- lots of cancers, for example, particularly childhood cancers, are caused by spirit attachment. Right? Spirit attachment is one of the largest causes of disease on earth today. Right? But how can the spirit attachment occur? Because the emotion inside of you attracts them. Now, I think last week I mentioned the lady in Greece who, who, had, who had diabetes, I think. Yeah. yeah, for those who were here. So she had diabetes 17 years through a spirit attachment. But her emotion caused the attraction. Right. So once we talked to the spirit and got the spirit to move on, she still needed to deal with that emotion. Because if she doesn't, what's going to happen? Another spirit will come back and... Find that injury and attach. So can you see if that's happening in somebody? Certainly. Any, almost anyone can see if it's happening. You can even ask yourself. Lay yourself down on the table, hang a pendulum over the top of your, your what is it, third chakra and ask yourself. The pendulum will rotate in a clockwise direction if you're telling the truth and it will stop rotating if you're not. Do, do all of you know this? No. No? Okay. Your soul... if. Your soul's emotions causes all of these 
flows of energy. Remember, emotion is energy in motion, right? So your soul's emotion causes all of these flows of energy occurring in your body. The flows of energy cross over to these meridians. These meridians are called chakras, right? Now, those chakras, the seven main chakras, are where I think it's what, 192 meridians or something cross over. At those locations, when you are in complete tune with yourself, the chakra will, will energetically rotate anything above it in a clockwise direction. Is that a clockwise direction? Yeah. <laughs> Looking down on it. Now, you can ask yourself, if you have an open chakra and it's rotating in a clockwise direction automatically, you can then ask yourself questions about what you feel about something at your soul level. I remember when somebody first did it with me, he laid me down on the table. This was a long time ago, but it's 12 years ago. He laid me down on the table and I was, uh, I was feeling myself to be in love with someone I wasn't with right, at the time. And he holds the, the thing over my uh, third chakra. He says, do you love this lady? And I'm saying yes, and things stop there. <laughs> so the truth was? No. That's one way to find out the truth. <laughs> Did I accept it? No. <laughs> <laughs> And we're getting off the subject a bit, topic-wise, but just briefly, um, most of the time attractions on earth are caused through emotional injuries being compatible. Say that again. Most of the time attractions on earth are caused by emotional injuries being compatible. In other words, we have codependent attractions. Right? I do something. You see this a lot in relationships, right? Yeah. And the reason why is because we have codependent attractions in most cases. When you clear away all of your emotions, you'll get to the point where your attractions will be real. They won't be based on injuries anymore. They'll be based on desires. Pure desires. So they'll be totally different. So you are saying you can get to a point where you deal with all your emotions. Don't. You be emotional. <laughs> I wouldn't even be here if I didn't like that. <laughs> and honestly, the truth is I would have gone like that if I didn't believe that at some points in my life. But that's real. What you're saying is real. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Try it and see. That if I continue to work through my stuff and the generational stuff, yep. I will get to a point where I won't attract the wrong kind of person in my life. Nope. I mean, that's hallelujah. That's like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you'll see this start happening in a lot of different areas. Let's say, um, what often happened with myself is that I'd come up with an emotion. There'd be a very traumatic time dealing with the emotion. I'd get through the emotion, then all of a sudden everything around me would automatically change without me having to do anything. Right? And, and so forth. This would happen on a regular basis. So, so just take notice of your life. Observe your life. You'll see it happening. Right? So, but when you deal with a causal emotion, is what I said, remember? Mm, yeah. 
When you deal with a causal emotion, everything will change. If you deal with only effects, then will anything change? No. How do you dig out those causal emotions? Um, we'll talk more about that after we talk about this. <laughs> Yep. And you said it, it, it shows your truth. Well, is it truth? It's your truth. Your truth, not divine truth. Not God's truth. Only shows you your truth. Yeah, but your truth at the soul level, at the emotional level, not what you think is the truth. Right? There's a big difference between those two things, right? What you think and what you feel are totally different to each other. <coughs> just, just while we're on the pendulum, I wasn't going to bring it up. Yeah. I was going to get it off track, but um, I use a pendulum quite a lot yeah. in my work. But I, I often wonder sometimes, it works for me at work in a healing situation, tells me a lot of crap when I'm not doing that, but yeah. um, I just wonder what it is. I, I just hold that in my hand, I have my uh, palm jumper. Yeah. What is it that, I mean, it's very real, it's very accurate in, in my work situation. Mm-hmm. What, I mean, is, that, is that a spirit um, working with that or something? No, it's your energy at the soul level working with that. So it's the emotion at the soul level working with that. Now, it can, you can actually work, you can ask a spirit to connect to it, and the spirit will then work with it. So a lot of people, I, I don't know how many of you are mediums yet, or not, a lot of people do it with a pendulum first, like they, they, they start taking an interest in spirit communication with a pendulum first. You've got to be very careful, though, because you don't know what spirit's connecting to the pendulum. What spirit's going to connect with the pendulum? The spirit who's the closest to your emotional condition. That's the spirit who's going to connect to the pendulum. Whether you ask for someone else or not, the law of attraction is in place. God's laws work 100% of the time. So, can I, can I just. So, what that means is if I have a heap of unworthy feelings within me, what kind of spirit am I going to generally attract? Unworthy. Well, probably a spirit who wants to use my unworthiness for their own benefit, right? Wants to manipulate me. Let's say I have anger. What kind of spirit am I going to attract? Probably a spirit who wants to manipulate that anger to get something for themselves. How can they get anything for themselves? There's there's some really good books you need to read about all of that. Um, um, The whole series of Robert James Lee's, which are on those CDs, The Through the Mist, The Life of Elysian and The Gate of Heaven, there's, there's lots of different experiences in there where spirits manipulate <coughs> events on earth in order to get a satisfaction of an emotion within themselves. And, and he explains many of those situations. Yeah. So books like that are really yes. worth reading. Yeah. And they're on the DVD, the CDs that uh, we've got up the back. Um, and, it's, and it's under the Divine Truth part, and it's called Robert James Lee's. R.J. Lee's is the author. And the three books were The Life... Sorry, through the mist, the life of Elysian, and the gate of heaven. Do you actually have to deal with this sort of dealing with spirits and and communicating with them with on your path, divine love path, or can it just be, yep, I'm connected to God, and it's just me and and God, and I don't have to worry about all them or talk to them or deal with them? Totally. Great. It's all about your connection with God in the end, right? The spirit side of things you will probably take interest in as you progress because it is interesting what's actually going on around you and why and how things are being influenced. So it's very interesting. But it is not important for, for you on the, with your connection with God. However, one thing I would like to say is that your guide will help you a lot in accessing your emotions if you can trust your guide. 
So all of you have God, a spirit who is a guide, guiding you. Now, if you, as soon as you desire God, the spirit who's guiding you will also be a spirit who's connected with God from an emotional point of view. So in other words, a spirit on the divine love path. And that spirit can help you a lot deal with your own emotions, if you want them to. It all gets down to your desire. They will respect your desire completely. So another way to tell that you've got a spirit with you who is not uh, on the divine love path is, do they respect your desires, or do they want to get you to do other things? Right? A spirit on the divine love path will always put your will as their priority in dealing with you. Your free will. Yeah. Now we can talk a lot more about spirit stuff later. Is that alright? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's keep going with denial. <laughs> Why doesn't anybody want to talk about this? Other? One of the things that I often do with people is to say, we need to at some point deal with all those childhood emotions that occurred, you know, things that occurred through our childhood events that we need to release. And you know what most people say, but I don't remember what happened. Uh, and the reason why we don't remember what happened is because we're in a state of disassociation. We want to not remember what happened. Uh, and then a lot of people also say to me, oh, but I can't deal with my emotions because I can't remember what happened. <laughs> the truth is you will remember what happened when you want to deal with your emotions. If the experiences that come up in your life are opportunities to explore whether you have actually dealt with your emotions totally. to then bring up the memory. Totally. The law of attraction will tell you if you've dealt with something or not. Mm. Totally. So if your law of attraction is, like, let's say, partner after partner after partner, I'm getting a constant stream of partners who treat me as if I'm unworthy. Mm. What's that telling me? I have not dealt with the emotion of unworthiness within me. Mm. I have not. Whether I think I have or not, <clears throat> I have not. No. The truth is, the law of attraction will attract exactly what you've dealt with or not dealt with. Yep. Okay. What if you do, like, you don't always attract those same partners and then you do attract and you have that once in a while? Is that just, you're still obviously having that emotion? Yeah, see, so that's not a, something so constant. I was talking to a lady in Dallas where this kind of thing happened to you. The first, the first relationship she attracted was an abusive man who mm -hmm. violently abused her. She eventually got enough courage and, and dealt with enough of that emotion to actually leave that man. The next relationship she had, the man gave her the silent treatment all the time. So he was still abusive, but just in an emotional way, no longer in a physical way. So she'd worked her way through a lot of the physical abuse issues, but she'd yet to deal with the emotional abuse issues. Right? So in that relationship, she worked through quite a few of those issues over a period of 10 years or 12 years. And eventually that relationship broke up as well. And now she's single again and, and not in a relationship. And we were talking about a new relationship and what's going to happen there. This is what happens to you in your life if you choose to be not on the divine path. 
Because if you choose to be on the divine path, there's a very good chance you'll deal with all of those emotions in a few years. And after that, the relationship you choose will actually be a perfect relationship for you. Right? Until that time, often what we're doing is we're dealing with smidges of it. We're dealing with that aspect, this aspect, that aspect, this aspect. Or just run from them all. Or we're running from them all. <laughs> just like, oh, thanks, I don't want to deal with that. See you later, bye. Yeah, yeah. And what would happen is that if we desire to run from them all, then our life will also be constructed in such a way that our desire will also be fulfilled. So in other words, who feels flat chat busy all the time, not enough time to even sit down and, and spend any time with themselves? Is that you? This was what I was like. Is that you? If that's you, that is because right at this moment you do not have a pure desire to deal with your emotions. Follow me? And I know that's hard to face, because it was hard for me to face that too, you know. But that's what I was like. I used to work 120 hours a week and do all that stuff. <laughs> Anger is the, it comes under that. Is it not? Whenever I'm saying to somebody else, it's your fault that I'm feeling what I'm feeling, right? then I'm in a state of projection. I'm in a state where I am no longer taking responsibility for my own emotions. Right? So, I'm jealous. Whose fault's that? Well, it might not be my fault. It might be my parent cause it, but if we talk about what's going on inside of me, I am denying an emotion inside of me, underneath that jealousy, right? So I need to allow myself to look at what that emotion is. This is, a, this is what we often do, though. We blame someone else for what our life has attracted. And I just want to make a comment. It is also, have you, any of you seen these books, uh, The Way of the Heart and all those things? You've seen their stuff? Yeah. First lesson way of the heart is. Let me read it. Who's that by AJ? Well, I, I channeled it with through this man called JM. Okay. Yeah. Right. James Twyman. Sorry? Is it James Twyman? John Mark Hammer. Oh, John Mark Hammer. gorgeous. But AJ, why do you sound so different? Because I've got all the on CDs, the way of the heart, yep. and the vocabulary and vernacular is so different to yours. Because every time you channel, you actually have to use the person's vocabulary and vernacular. You, you're actually, the way it happens is the soul injury and soul's damage of the person, and even the soul characteristics of the person, you've got to reflect everything through that. And so that, that is something that, that most people are not aware of with mediumship. The medium affects the actual characteristic of the individual. Right. The truth is that nothing which you are experiencing is caused by anything outside of you. What's that saying? The opposite. That if, some, if I'm experiencing something, it must be to do with you. So, 
And sometimes I'm in a group and the whole group is just angry with me. I don't know why I'm such a man. No, they're all angry with me because I've said something that has triggered them, right? And so they're angry at me, so they're projecting at me that it's all my fault that they're feeling what they're feeling. And then I could get into the state where, hang on a sec, you know, I don't deserve your anger. But would that be true? There must be an emotion inside of me that's attracted that to occur that I need to deal with. Can you see that? And I need to focus on that. Yeah. I just want to share something personal because it's more not me. Can I just stop you for a second, though? Are you thinking about whether it's going to help everyone else here? Yes. No, but you said firstly that it's going to help you. I don't want to shut you down. I'm just. No, I trust you. No, no, no. What, can you see what I'm getting at? Yes. What am I getting at? Um, to consider our others performing. Why do you want anyone else here to feel things that you have gone through? Isn't that a projection? Isn't, isn't it? If I want you to understand what I've gone through, if I need you to understand what I've gone through, then straight away can you see that I'm needing something outside of myself? Can you see that? And if I'm needing something out of myself, is that love? No, it's not. You follow me? So ask yourself this question before you say what you want to say. What am I needing from this group? Why do I need to say this at this moment? What emotion within me am I denying in saying this? Because there is an emotion within you that you're denying. You follow me? Allow yourself to find what that is. Yeah? Can I just put in two bombs worth there? I've often had the same feeling this lady's hand that she needs to put it out there. Yep. And it's a genuine desire that if somebody else finds themselves with the same problem, then perhaps what I've experience would be helpful and it's a genuine desire to be helpful but I can relate to where I, I mean I can realise that sometimes got me into trouble and be careful be careful with these kind of desires because these are the kind of the desires that we fool ourselves with quite often when we feel that we're being helpful when in reality that's driven by some very strong emotional neediness underneath that alright So what's the feeling you're trying to avoid? You're trying to avoid the feeling of selfishness. You don't want to feel that. And also, AJ, when you're saying these things, you're actually saying the story. And when you're saying the story, then you don't want the story to go away. That's so right. In those terms, you're actually attracting it. That's right. Yeah. But we do that because we're avoiding an underlying emotion. Which is one of these, isn't it? Can you see that? Yeah. Now, me saying that to you has hurt you in your heart. No. Yeah, it has, because I can feel it. No. Yeah. I'm just reflecting upon what you're saying. Mm -hmm. I'm reflecting upon what you're saying. But I'm saying to you, let yourself feel what the feeling is right now. Because I can feel the feeling from you right now. 
go underneath that. Can you sit, like, I'll be doing this a lot with you over the next two days, right? It'll be challenging. After a while, you'll all wonder whether you want to put your hand up. <laughs> <laughs> My suggestion is, if I, if I am humble, what's that again? What's being humble again? Desiring to feel everything that's with me, right? Including my embarrassment and my shame and my guilt and my everything, everything within me. Desiring to feel, if I'm humble, then these will be really good opportunities for us to, to. So, in other words, keep putting up your hand, put it out there. Get it chopped off, whatever is going to happen, let the law of attraction do its work, right? And be humble and let yourself feel what the result is. Let yourself feel that. Alright. Can I just um, ask, feeling humble, being humble, isn't that going to attract people to you who will want to use that uh, in a using you sort of way? It's impossible to use a person who's humble. The reason why is the person who's humble is feeling their own emotions 24 by 7. So can they ever be out of tune with their own emotion? No, but you can be sort of go for the ride, you can be your humble self but, and, and not realise what the other people are doing. But you don't need to realise what the other people are doing. Until it catches up with you later on. But it won't catch up with you if... Take them for a ride or something. No, but that will never happen if you were humble in the first place. Can you Can anyone see why that would never happen? Yes. You're sure you can see why? The law of if I'm completely humble, that means I'm feeling every emotion myself and not projecting any emotion outside of me. That means I'm owning every single emotion that's happening inside of me. So the law of attraction will very, very rapidly change, will it not? Will I ever attract a person? If I'm humble, will I ever attract being used? It's impossible. Like, it's only when I'm not humble that I'm going to attract someone being using me to trigger the emotion that I've just been avoiding. Does that you follow that? Everything that goes on in your life, you will either avoid and need the law of attraction to expose it, or you will deal with it then and there and you will not attract it anymore. Right? The truth is that all of you, like I, I'm giving of my time and you're giving of my, your time here today, right? Now, it's cost me to give of my time, obviously. Obviously, I could be doing something else. I could be at home crying, actually. But if we allow ourselves, right, in this transaction to feel everything, we cannot, you cannot use me. You, you cannot use me in any way. If I allow myself to feel every emotion and I'm truthful about every emotion that I'm feeling. So, for example, if all of you were angry with me, and if I had some worthiness feelings that have been not dealt with, then I would get into my emotion and start crying, wouldn't I? If all of you were angry with me and I dealt with the worthiness emotion, I'd just say, all of you are angry with me, it's not a good time for me to be here, catch you later. And it wouldn't affect me at all. Right? Either way, the law of attraction would work for all of us. Yeah? Is that lady's um, caution about... Related to that, we get very confused 
we can use humility with being vulnerable, the vulnerability of humility. Yeah. Um, then we can give, we have a, a misunderstanding that that makes us, that disempowers us. Yeah. And therefore we're open to persecution, we're open to being attacked because we're disempowered, we're, we're yeah. vulnerable. We're, we often confuse it. We confuse humility with being vulnerable and disempowered and weakness yes. when it's actually the most empowering position to be. Spot on. And often we confuse humility with being humiliated. And they are two totally different things. Yeah, totally different things. I'm thinking of a person who might be totally all-feeling, all which is fantastic, um, totally secure in their mind, and they're just you know, gliding along, flowing along very calmly and naturally, and nothing's hurting them, or yep. no obstacles, um, flowing smoothly. Um, and you're attracting people who like that about you. Yep. But um, they're needing a calm person around them, yep. but they're totally not. Yeah, but, but if, if that person, the original person, is attracting these needy people, then there's something within that person that still needs to be cleared. And, and I can, like, I know exactly what it would be as well. Which is? What do you think it might be? If, if I'm a humble person, but I'm attracting all these needy people that I'm always helping all the time, what, what's going on within me? No I've got no self-worth. I, I might be humble, but I have no self-worth. And I need to have self-worth, so I need to deal with the emotions of unworthiness. Yeah? That's the only reason why that would work, how that would work. Because I have unworthiness emotions inside of myself to deal with. But if you've been um, sort of successful in what you're doing in your life, Mm, but like, I was a multi-millionaire, I was successful, but it doesn't mean that I didn't have huge unworthiness. Like, you, can, you can be quite successful in the intellectual way, tuning out of your emotions, but you, you, can not feel, you could still not feel some deep emotions of unworthiness. The truth is I was attracting those people all the time, yeah. and totally blind to it at the time. That in the perspective of healers. Yep. In what way? Well, um, people go into healing modes and they are attracting people who that healer can um, help in some way. Yeah. So I just wanted to hear your thoughts. Okay, well, um, why does the person want to heal? Because <coughs> they have to be healed themselves. That Usually that's the attraction. Yeah, usually that's the attraction. Yeah. So, like, and then someone said, but in the first century, didn't you heal? But yes, the answer was yes. But, but very rarely when I was asked to. Can, do you understand why? Because most of the time you're asked to, the person who, who's asking you wants to heal, wants to be healed physically, but doesn't want to deal with their emotions. And what caused their illness? Their emotions. So, so you know, if we've got a, and, and you may have a passion for healing. Let's say you have a passion for healing. Do you have a passion for healing, and your own life being a mess, or do you have a passion for healing and your own life is healed? Yeah. Now, if you have a passion for healing and your own life is healed, well, that's fantastic. That's then your passion. Follow your passion, just like any other passion. But if you have your own life as a mess and you're healing others, then what's that saying to you? You need to heal yourself. 
There was a, in the Homecoming book, uh, John Bradshaw mentions a lady who, visit, who came to him. And he listed off all of these things within the, this was in the first few pages of the book. He listed off all these things that were going on within her life. Uh, they were all to do with, um, you know, issues of being raped and physically and sexually abused. And guess what she did as a job? She was a sexual abuse counsellor for women. Yeah. So her attraction as a job, and that was her passion, but it was a, her passion only because of the emotion that she had yet to heal within herself. And you will find that yourself as you grow too. Your passions will change because you'll realise that the passion you had or that you thought you had was actually driven by a desire of something you needed inside of yourself. So I have a, a passion at the moment which I've totally turned my life around to do mm -hmm. and that is to help parents teach children how to feel at a very mm -hmm. early, early age yep. by allowing feelings to pass, yep. be passed through and expressed and yep. um, supported. So the question then becomes, am I choosing that job because I don't allow my own feelings and this is a way for me to work through that issue? Or am I choosing that job because I allow all of my emotions and I'm very passionate about that? Well, so, yeah, I have always been a, a feeling person. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah, but it's, it's that sense of there's so many children that aren't allowed to feel. Mm. And so, and then thinking, well, what's the connection? Is there a connection? Yeah, don't, you don't need to think too much, though, honestly. <laughs> like... If you're in a job at the moment, you're a healer, and you're there for a reason, right? Now, the reason is probably to do with your law of attraction, right? Let yourself be triggered. Let yourself be humble. Feel every emotion that comes up with every client. Isn't that the opposite of what they tell you to do when you're a therapist of some kind? You know, to detune or de detach or disassociate from your client? Don't do that. Do the opposite. You're in that job for a reason. The law of attraction is at work. Let your emotions be triggered. Be humble. Let and desire all those emotions. Um, I just feel at the heart of what we're talking about, um, I think there's confusion around emotions and feelings as being enemies. I think we actually talk about it and get contradictory. Not from you, I just mean generally. But it's hard to get the concept that all our feelings are always right all the time. <coughs> And unless we befriend our emotions and our feelings, mm -hmm. really befriend them. Mm -hmm. There's no such thing as negatives and positives. They're all there for a reason. Mm -hmm. They're always right, all of the time. Yep. Unless we get that point, that, that understanding, even yeah. at a mind level, yep. we, we'll always have an aversion to an emotion, and yep. therefore we'll, we're, we don't humble ourselves, and we, we, we don't want that emotion because it's bad. You know, yeah. We push it away, we yeah. repress it. Yeah. But it is never bad. Now, unless yeah. we get that, Reach, you know, the next step, yeah. which is finding out what's driving it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that, that brings up the issue of judgment, which is one of the tools of denial that we use. Whenever we judge the emotion, so I, am I saying that anger is bad? No. I'm saying anger is a absent harmony. It's a projection, isn't it? It's a denial. To, it's a denial of underlying. But I am. Am I saying don't feel your anger? Because no. what did I say to you this week? I was feeling angry. <laughs> so I'm not recommending you don't feel your anger. What I'm saying is feel it and understand there is something underneath it. You need to love all of these emotions. 
they are all welcome. yeah welcome yeah certainly. Are you going to make a list of the causal and the more external emotions? Sure, it's sure. Okay. Yeah, and I don't know when I'll get to do that. Maybe today or tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Let's write down two more of these because these are good. I eat, have sex, uh, meditate. When I feel it happening. <laughs> so in other words, conversion is when I'm feeling something inside of myself I don't want to feel, I then look for a distraction or a substitute in order for me to not feel the emotion itself. We do this all the time, do we not? Yes. Uh, how many of you search for food? <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate. <laughs> yeah. Chocolate's me. I used to, my favourite was ice cream. Yes. I used to get a four litre container, <laughs> knife across it, crisscross, dig out one litre, pour over the syrup, and away I go. And I was just addicted to high sugar carbohydrate as a way of getting away from my emotion. Yeah. How long ago was that? <laughs> no, it wasn't last week. About 12 years ago. Yeah. Now, 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 like it's funny, it, um, I don't have hardly any desires for food at all. So, um, you know, I've, what I'm finding is the more and more emotion that I deal with, um, I, I very rarely desire food. Now, and now the food I desire is like fruit or, you know, vegetables uncooked um, and maybe some nuts occasionally. And that's about it nowadays. That's what I have. Um, so, yeah, but I used to be terrible with it. I used to have whole packets of yeah, all different types of ice cream in particular. <laughs> <laughs> and minimising, good old minimising. So what's that? That is, it's happened. But it wasn't that bad. But it wasn't that bad. I'm okay. I'm it's no big deal. And that's a big way of tuning out of your emotions, isn't it? Yeah, I was abused as a child, but you know, doesn't that happen to most people? Really? I survived. And man, you can actually throw away thousands of emotions you're yet to feel just doing that one thing, can't you? But we were told to move on. Exactly. Yeah. We were. <laughs> Sorry? Certainly. Yeah. And when you minimise your achievements, you're still minimising an emotion. What, what is the emotion you don't want to feel? That you're proud or haughty. So there's obviously a judgement of yourself in there that, you know, maybe I'm proud or I'm haughty if I say what I've actually achieved. 
Yeah, I have a big problem with that still. So. It comes from a feeling of unworthiness. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's very, very hard sometimes to say good things about yourself when you're feeling like inside of yourself when you're feeling bad about yourself, you don't feel like you can say anything good about yourself. Right? Yeah. So a child who's absolutely been totally abused who actually has to not feel to be able to survive because if they're very, very young and totally. maybe they need to be taken care of, yeah. they have to believe. Yeah, don't confuse that. All of this stuff is happening because <laughs> of pain that occurred in your past. Okay? So all, all of this that happens because of pain that's occurred in the past that you still believe is happening at the soul level. The truth is it's not happening anymore. Right? It's just in your soul now. Right? And so the, the key thing to remember with all of this is that, yes, this is why you need to love yourself. Because in the end, everything that you chose to do right now to avoid your emotion. You chose it because if you didn't choose it, your life would have been worse probably at some time in the past. Right? And you need to come to love the fact that you were clever enough to establish all of these you know, fantastic ways of coping with your life. But now you're wanting to become a full-grown man or woman, are you not? Don't you want to experience bliss now? Well, now we're going to be responsible with these emotions and actually feel them, experience them. Choose that. Don't run away from that. Yeah. All right. How are we going so far? Now, where does God come in all this? Every time I choose a form of denial, I am also denying myself. So am I loving my own soul? No. Every time I choose to do one of these things, I'm not loving my own soul. And I'm also setting up a state where I can no longer receive love from God. Because I'm denying my emotion. And when you deny your emotion, God's emotion cannot flow to you. Right? So understand that if I love myself, I will choose to deal with my emotions. And when I really love myself will be when I'm dealing with them 24 by 7. And the only time that's going to happen is when I'm at one with God. And by that stage, all of them are going to be blissful. <laughs> and up until that time, you'll switch in and out at times. Because you'll get to an emotion that's really hard, you'll get into anger or you'll get into something else and you, you know, you'll go through all of that, then you'll undo all of that, get connected with what's underneath and then... You'll feel that emotion and then you'll be back feeling some divine love, some more love flowing through to you. And then another emotion will come up and you'll, it'll ebb and flow until you're at one with God. And did many of you watch on the, C, on the DVD um, Lucinda, uh, Natalie Channeling, channeling Lucinda? Mm -hmm. yeah. Remember what she said? She said she was in the sixth sphere on the natural love path. She was in her mind. She had to go back to the third sphere and... Tune into her real emotions. She called it tuning into her real self. Because she'd, she'd learned to tune out of her real self using her intellect. And what she had to do was come back and tune into her real self 
Now when she started doing that, she started learning a lot of things about herself that were hard to accept. Right? And she accepted them because she was humble and just felt every one of those emotions pass through her. And that's what you will need to do when you're on the divine path. But you won't do it 100% of the time until you're at one with God. So what are some other empowering beliefs then that we could use to um, motivate us, if you like, in the right direction? So the, the one that if you, don't, if you don't really love yourself and you won't uh, acknowledge your emotions, I mean, that's an empowering belief. There must be lots of others. Well, you, you can come up with some and I'll write them down if you want. What, who, who, who of you have you know, started on the emotional path and what keeps you going? <coughs> my answer is, is that I have children and my motivation towards my children is, you know, if I said 110%, that's not the right figure. So I, I want to, by default, assist my children to have the best possible life. Mm. So if I keep, I got to this last weekend, so yep. if I keep... Feeling your own emotions. Yeah. And if I keep at it, yep. no matter how difficult it is, yep. then I really believe that that will somehow flow onto Jeffrey Nichols. Yep. So your love for others, and if we can just go a little bit deeper with this love for others, remember that your soul is like this great big beam pushing out energy into the universe. And the truth is actually that every being and thing in the universe can actually feel your energy. Now, if your energy has a part of the energy you have is like anger, what's every being in the universe feeling? You're adding to the universal anger. Can you see that? If, and so, let's say your feeling is like, even just basic things like, say, um, uh, this will trigger a few of you, eating meat. How many eat meat still? Lots of them. Okay, okay. this will trigger all of it. When you eat meat, what are you saying to every animal? <laughs> Thanks very much. <laughs> Thank you. What are you really saying to the animals? It's unsafe around me. Yeah, that's what you're really saying to your animals. To all animals. It's unsafe around me because one day you're going to be in my play. So what's the difference with plants and fruit and yeah. what they're still living beings? Uh, animal, animals have spirit bodies and animals are very much a direct reflection of the soul of the person and the collective soul of people on earth. And so um, you could say there's levels of life forms that God has created and animals are obviously the next one down from us as humans. Uh, we're the only one with a soul. The animals don't have soul. But they are a complete reflection of our soul. And so, you know, they, they are, if you like, the next closest thing to us. And uh, for that reason, every... Like, who wants to live in a world where no animals eat other animals? Mm. Well, in a spirit world, that's what it's like. There's no animals in the spirit world that eat other animals. 
Because they don't have bodies. No, no, there's a whole lots of animals in the spirit world that have never been created by another per by a person. They've all been created by God. The, the, the animals that have passed from the earth, they do not eat other animals. Well, in the spirit world, nobody eats animals either. Of course fish is an animal. <laughs> well, you can read into the Bible what you want, but I never multiplied any loaves or fishes. <laughs> I didn't even eat fish, right, in the first century. Yeah. I, gave, I became a vegetarian in the first century in my teens. I was 12 years old, actually. Does that include eggs? Well... Well, it's up to you whether you want to eat eggs or not. And it's up to you whether you want to eat meat or not. I'm not saying <laughs> any rules whatsoever. Am I saying any rules to you? No. All I'm saying is that love for others is a great motivator for you to deal with your own emotions. So what I'm saying is, look at the emotional reason why you think you need to eat meat. Because at the moment, it's not loving animals. That's all. So, let yourself feel about that. I, I know animals, in, you know, animals on Earth eat other animals, though. So when you really say, why do you reckon they eat other animals? <laughs> Remember what I said: the soul condition of man is impressed upon the animals. So why do you think animals eat other animals on Earth? Because we eat them. Because we eat them. Mm. Crocodiles can't live on. <laughs> the biggest dinosaurs in history lived on grass. So the truth is they could. Right? Crocodiles in the spirit world don't live on eating other animals. And they don't need to here. The thing is we need to understand here, and this is something that all of us need to understand at a deeper level. Your soul creates everything around you. Your soul, your feelings, your emotions, your passions, your desires create everything around you, including what happens between animals because of your soul. Right? It's a complete reflection of our collective, what they call consciousness, which I would prefer to call soul condition. Right? So, therefore, a lot of people not paying any attention to what Yes, yes, definitely. And even in a physical level, but when you think about it, people go out and shoot them for whatever they want from them. You know, some aphrodisiac or something that they're trying to get from them, or their pelt or whatever. But even from an emotional perspective, that is true as well. I don't know if you've ever experimented with this, but I'm sure if you do experiment with this with birds or something like that around your home, you will notice huge changes in terms of the attractions that occur, in terms of you know what birds come to you rather than to your next-door neighbour or whatever. So, you know, all you need to do is experiment with this to prove it's truth or not. But the truth is, your soul affects every single thing around you. So isn't that a good reason for you to work on your soul? Right? So I'm not just talking your children, I'm talking your, your husband or wife, your children, your dog, your cat, your, your house, your plants in the house, your plants outside of your house are all affected by your soul condition. 
when I started dealing with my negative emotions, I didn't do anything different with the two plants I had in my house, and all of a sudden, they grew three feet in the space of about three months. Why did that happen? I didn't do anything different. I watered them once every two weeks, like I always do. <laughs> didn't do anything else. Why? Because the soul condition change they can feel, and they respond to it. That's what they respond to, your feelings. AJ, in the time of the dinosaurs, when there weren't people on Earth, what was affecting the soul condition, or what soul condition was affecting Tyrannosaurus Rex? Everything was neutral then, and there's an assumption that Tyrannosaurus Rex ate meat, and that wasn't—that's not true. Right? Back then, when men weren't here, you had very big teeth then. Yeah, but big teeth don't mean I've got to eat meat. Big them. Too. There's a lot of animals in there. Yeah. There's a lot of animals that have big teeth and eat plants. Yes. Just um, with the study of body, um, blood types and body types, you know, there's belief that certain body types, like mine, needs to eat meat to, you know, nourish you properly. So, is that just? <coughs> we can come up with hundreds of intellectual arguments about what our body needs. Experiment with your soul. Deal with the emotions inside of yourself, and then see whether you feel like eating meat. So, so why did you get sick a lot? When you get sick a lot, there's an emotion causing the sickness. So, what emotion was it? See, we often, so we often say, "All right, no, I need the food. That's what causes my sickness." Now, I'm having this food. I don't have the sickness, but the emotion behind you needing that food. Do you follow me? Mm -hmm. And it's that emotion that hasn't been addressed yet. So, if you went off meat right now, you'd get sick again. Yeah. I'm saying you would. would yeah. And the reason why you would is because it, the emotion driving the need for that. Like, I used to eat meat five times a day. So. Yeah, I did. I was one of these bodybuilders trying to put on weight, right? Yeah. And honestly, it was just all emotionally driven. So would there be a collective grief in on earth for people yes. because they're not connected, many aren't connected to God? Yeah. And so that's a collective, that's one of the collective issues. Yeah. So the whole of human kind on the earth, and even in the spirit world too, there's, there's areas like this too, where the whole whole of people in one region give off an aura, which then it affects every living thing around it. Right? So collectively, all of us are affecting every living thing around us. Right? And we're doing that every single moment. Because it's not our intellect that drives it, it's our, our soul, our emotions. And what's ever in there is what drives it. So committing to the divine love path and committing to feeling emotion is the most profound way to serve humanity. Yes. Is the most profound way to influence everything around you. Yeah, let me show you some experience, experiments that people overseas have tried. Right? There's this couple who are really good friends of mine who live in London, and they have a three-year-old son. His name's Luca, and their names are Mike and Fee. And every single emotion they deny in themselves, Luca experiences. 
So, and he would, he would reflect that emotion back to them every single moment. So one, one night, in the middle of the night, Luca falls out of bed and hits his eye on the corner of the bed. And he's got this great big black eye and he wakes up screaming. That exact moment, Fee, his mother, was having a dream and she was afraid and fearful right at that same moment of something happening to her. There was another time when she was upstairs crying about some, in fact, trying to shove down some emotions about being hurt physically. And he, at the same moment, he was out on a pontoon out in the sea with, with Mike and he had an injury that affected him in exactly the same way that she felt. And they were like 400 yards away from each other, not knowing what was going on. Mike would have a feeling within himself of I'm unworthy or I'm feeling bad about myself or I'm feeling stupid and Luca would come up to him and say, silly Mike, silly Mike, silly Mike. (laughs) (laughs) And Mike would go, what am I denying now? (laughs) Um, How many other things? Andrew was there. There were so many. And then when he dealt with the... Unworthiness or the silliness. He was, he, he was so proud of himself. Luca said, came down like for breakfast one morning. He says, "Smart Mike." And Mike went, "I've done it." Yeah. So this is happening to all parents and children, but they're aware of it. They're just not aware of it. Yeah. Every single one of you have young children in particular. They they are a complete mirror of what's going on inside of you that you are trying to avoid at that instant. So if they're crying in that instant about something, it is your emotional denial generally that they're crying for. So, Joe, when does that stop? And... <laughs> well, the way I'd like to look at it is when it stops is when you feel your emotions. But that's not the one you wanted to hear, was it? <laughs> yeah. Um, it obviously stops when you have all the, when you own all of your emotions. They stop. Now, I'll give you an example of that. And Mike was walking down with Luca down the beach, and then all of a sudden, this Mike started feeling like he needed to cry, and Luca started playing up, like he started getting really restless and yelling at Mike and all that kind of stuff. Mike sat down on the beach and just cried. And what happened is Luke, Luca just stopped what he was doing. He, he stopped being a nuisance. And he sat down next to Mike and just folded his arms like that and looked at the ground. And he sat there like that for nearly 30 minutes while Mike cried. And he didn't do anything naughty in that time. Then when Mike stopped crying, Luca said, we're not on a play now. So he knew straight away. There was another lady um, who we stayed with in London as well. She has an eight-year-old daughter. And what was happening, we, we were having this conversation about this lady's life and uh, she was describing an event where she went up to her father who lived in the north of England um, who was laying on his deathbed and he, was, he died in fact a week later and she began describing this event where she went up to see her father laying on his deathbed and all of a sudden her daughter just burst out crying and ran into her arms and just hugged her and sobbed and sobbed and Carolyn looked at me and said what's going on? Like, right? <coughs> And I said to Carolyn, what were we just talking about? And she said, oh, my dad. And I said, and what do you not want to feel about your dad? And then Carolyn connected instantly to that. 
And she started crying. Carolyn started crying. And the instant Carolyn started crying, her daughter, Laura, her name is, got off her lap, dry, stopped crying instantly, and sat down and ate like nothing had happened. So children are a complete reflection of our emotional denial. So if you love your children, it's a good reason to deal with your <coughs> emotions. It's when you shut... A lot of us feel, I can't be emotional in front of my children. Uh, how many of us feel that? Uh, lots of us feel that generally. But the truth is, if you do not allow your emotions 100% of the time, whether you're in front of your children or not, what is going to happen is your children will be affected by those emotions you deny in yourself. They enter your child because you're not feeling them yourself. See, what happens is, if you can just picture your body, right? You've got this emotion. Emotion, remember, is energy in motion, right? When this energy in motion flows through you, it's not going anywhere else. It's just flowing through you. But what happens when you stop it and block it? It hits the place where you're blocking it and then it just shoots out everywhere, right? And who's that going to enter? Anything around you. And this is a good reason to love your emotions. Very powerful. So love for others is a good reason. Any others? Love for others, good reason for dealing with my emotions. So what's our goal or vision? It's a bit shiny, is it? Or? At one moment with God. And obviously God does not have any emotions that are sad, angry, upset, or any, or you could say God does not have any emotions that are disharmonious with bliss. So if I'm at one with God, what does that mean? I'm also going to be in a state of bliss. So that's a good reason to be to deal with your emotions, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Reason for me is um, the excruciating agony of avoiding pain. <laughs> yeah. Real pain. I'll change this one thing. Real pain is the pain of avoidance in the end. All pain that you experience again, um, is, is the pain of avoidance. The way to avoid real pain is to feel everything, including any pain. Because uh, that pain, the pain that we feel is not the pain of avoidance. Who feels that their life's a bit messy? Uh, <laughs> well, it's messy because we've avoided our pains in the past. And what we've done in, in, in the way in the way of the harbour likens it to a puddle or a, or a or a lake, if you like, that we drop a pebble into, 
and you get these ripple effects coming out all the time, right? So the question you've got to ask yourself is, do I want to keep dropping in the same type of thing? Because at the moment, if my life's in a state of pain, I'm going and I'm feeling my emotions, at least I'm fixing it up. But if I'm not feeling my emotions and I'm dropping in more avoidance, then it's going to get worse. It's going to keep getting worse. Yeah. Another motivation would be because with doing that you get to know your own truth, your own self, your the truth. Because then you would understand, you would have the knowledge, you would become aware. You would, yeah. Yeah. You get to know. You get to be real. Mm. Mm. Most of us are not real. What was the question? These are these are ways to sort of. This is things to focus on if we feel in our terrible emotional state and we feel like giving up. What we'll become is we will become real. Right? Being real is really important to God. Right? What, what the ego is, is really a false projection, isn't it, of ourselves that we've come to believe. All our illnesses, is that because we've stuffed down our emotions too long? Totally. <laughs> it's a good motivator. Yeah. Every single physical pain in your body, every illness you ever have is a result of emotional denial. What about the area of prosperity? Yeah, well, if you... I suppose what would be prosperous in one moment may not be prosperous when you're actually in bliss. Exactly. Same exactly. So what are we saying when we're talking about prosperity, really? Abundance. 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 And obviously, how do you spell it? So, yes, my spelling is limited. That's pretty cool. So we have abundance. But what we define as abundance now and what we define as abundance then will obviously be very different. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Jay. The, about being sick, is you're, because you're not dealing with your own, you're attracting the stuff that's going to make you sick. Is that it? Is, that, or is it an internal? There's a lot of things that work with sickness. Um, the majority of sickness is what happens is that there's an emotion for a start in our soul. The emotion in our soul blocks our energy flow in our spirit body. And the fl energy flow in our spirit body is what keeps our physical body well. So when the energy stops flowing in a certain part of our f spirit body, our physical body then becomes affected by that stop, by that f slowing energy or that energy that's now stopped flowing. And that then exposes that part of the body to outside risks or internal risks like, you know, cancer is an internal risk, right? But it exposes that part of the body to that risk. And so all sickness is emotional. Everyone. Colds, yeah. flus. Colds, flus, yeah, yeah. This week I've had a runny nose like five days out of the seven, like constantly. I think I used a whole box of tissues on the way here actually. Um, and the reason why was because 
like I'm cycling between wanting to deal with this grief, I deal with it for two or three hours, and then I tune out of it. And when I tune out of it, my nose starts running again. <laughs> right? And then, do you see what's happening? Every time I tune out of the grief, instead of just feeling the grief, my nose starts running. And when I tune back into my grief, my nose stops running. And, and it's been like that the entire week. Somebody else would have said, oh, I've got allergies. <laughs> Oh, certainly your body can go through cycles where you're cleansing your emotions. Like, there was one cycle that I had where um, for two weeks I had really bad smelly feet, right? Yeah. Um, and yes, it was an emotional relief to that. And it, once I release that emotion, the physical body changes. I'm talking... Was that uh, a soul condition? Sorry. <laughs> 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 Who wants to know whether their husband's have got that emotion? <laughs> I can't even remember what it is. <laughs> but just for two weeks, I was just. Yeah, my my feet had never stunk in my life, and then all of a sudden, for two weeks, they did, and then it went away. I can't understand it when it's a highly contagious, you know, illness. But, um... Your body has absolutely everything inside of itself when it's working perfectly to get rid of any illnesses whatsoever. Your body right now is full of so many bugs that could kill you. And yet, they don't, because your body is perfectly, when, when it's perfectly running, it has the ability to cope with anything. It's only when you're out of harmony emotionally that your body no longer has any way to cope with those particular things, and they take over. It's run down. But then there's a lot of diseases today that are called diseases that are almost purely emotional based, right? Things like heart disease and, and, and uh, cancers and leukaemia and... Like all of these different things, very all emotionally caused. The best thing to do is this: assume that everything is emotionally caused, because it is. <laughs> now I know that a lot of you have been looking into nutrition for years, right? And looking into like eating the right foods, doing the right thing, doing that. The truth is that while all of those can have a positive effect on you, they're having a positive effect on you. Firstly, because there's emotions involved in your desire to do that. And secondly, because you're now taking a lot more care of yourself than you were before. And there's a lot of other emotional reasons too. The truth is that when you are connected with yourself emotionally, you will want to look after yourself. So you don't have to throw all that away, but understand that every illness inside of you is emotionally caused. And I can feel lots of disbelief about this subject. Yeah, well, bodily fluids and that sort of thing that are passed on, HIV or whatever, um, yeah. people who don't deserve it, but they and have no idea, they come into contact, but they have. And, um, <laughs> My comment remains the same. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the same with children who have leukemia and die and uh, oftentimes it's emotionally based through spirit attraction as well. From parents, yeah. Obviously, a child cannot have a spirit attached to it if the parent has a protective, does not have that emotion, right? So, a lot of things like leukemia, childhood, childhood cancers are very much caused by spirit attraction generally, but that's caused by the emotions of the parents that they've not yet dealt with. So, so illness is another great opportunity 
Mm -hmm. To actually look at what you might need to be looking at. Exactly. Yeah. So, like, I feel a bit tight here in the throat, right? Right? And I know exactly why. Right? I feel a really bit tight. This week, I felt really tight across the chest. I've not had asthma for nearly 14 years. And this week, one night, I had asthma. So, what's that? Uh, across here was grief. This was grief, and this was about saying the truth. Right? So there's some things I need to work on, in particular with my soulmate. You just asked Sorry. How does the body deal with man-made substances that impact on our being and such? Because there's a lot of stuff out there too. You will find that you will not even be able to cope with ingesting a man-made substance. No, uh, there's, there's actually airborne substances which have, have been sprayed out onto the populace. Yep. And certainly, you, when you're in a certain soul condition, you'll feel those particular things. And you'll notice there's something wrong there and you'll want to move from there. You will. So, like, I, I can smell now when a certain preservatives have been put into, like, certain foods. And I, I pick it up to eat it, and I can't eat it, because it doesn't smell right. But I could never do that before. One lady tested me in the USA. In the USA, they have Vegemite with a lot more different preservatives than they do in Australia. And she bought... I got, I got my Vegemite from Australia before I went. She got Vegemite over there, and I said, look, these two are different, I can't eat yours. And she said, no, nah, I don't believe you. I said, yeah, they're different, I can smell the different. And so she got me to close my eyes and she, and she um, so made me smell and tell which one was <laughs> the one that was, uh, the one that I couldn't... The I real couldn't, deal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll be able to do that automatically. Your soul will know. This is where kinesiology, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Your soul knows, right? That's what kinesiology is all about. That's why it works. Your soul knows. So use all of those things, that's fine. But in the end, it's not going to get you closer to God. <laughs> but they're all good reasons to keep doing it. Because there are going to be times in your progression where you just want to give up. Yeah, totally. You just want to give up. And you'll want to give it all away and you'll think, OJ is some kind of idiot who's brought me into this terrible place. <laughs> Trust me, you will. Guarantee it. Almost everybody I know has said that to me at some point. <laughs> um, at work, I'm just feeling challenged with um, experiencing my emotions at, at work, work and how much, yeah, like do I let myself cry when I'm massaging somebody? <laughs> yeah. Um, because of the type of work you do, it's probably easier than other types of work. I, I would let myself cry if, yeah, if I was massaging somebody and all of a sudden I felt an emotion that was resonant with their emotion or whatever, and I'd just let myself cry. Now, you'll probably have to explain to your clients before you <laughs> that you, you really believe in emotions and just be open with everyone. I really believe in emotions. What did you say, Tris, when you started work? Uh, I said that I'm dealing with trying to deal with all my emotions and anything that will upset me will be my own emotion. So yeah. they really can't do anything to me. Yeah. And Tristan explained to them that he wanted to feel his emotions even when he was at work. Yeah. Yeah. He got the job. 
Yeah. And it doesn't mean they're going to let him do it either. Behavior. Yep, what's the ethical behaviour? Your emotions, if you have emotions that really are not um, appropriate, appropriate. But remember what I said. Here's, here's me. Here's the emotion flowing through me. As soon as I stop the emotion flowing through me, what's going to happen? It's going to go out. What's more ethical? No, that's not ethical. That's throwing it out right at that moment. It's not ethical. You'll need to change your def definitions of ethical if you want to deal with your emotions. I'm just being blunt, but it's true. We need to come to see everything how God sees it. Do you understand that? How does God see your emotions? As precious. It is you. It's your soul. He views your emotions as precious. When you're at one with God, what will you view your emotions as? Precious. They are precious. You want to feel them right now. You won't, no, won't want to put them off. Right? And you can take on man's definition of ethics or man's definition of love or man's But if you take on that, what are you going to get? What we've got right now. Do you want that still? No. Well, then you'll need to change and do it God's way if you want. Now, you don't have to. I'm not saying you have to. You can keep doing it self-reliant way if you want. Remember? I said there's a difference between self-reliance. You can keep doing that if you want. It's your choice. I'm not saying you don't have to do that. I'm saying you can. You're allowed to. You've got free will. AJ, how do spirits do it in the spirit world? Like, say someone passes, like you were telling me about my dad, who's not in a very good place at the moment when he passed. Yeah. Does he get help by others, or does he have to come to it himself, or how does he do he, it? He will only be helped if he wants help. Right. So the first step is to ask, is it? Yeah. Or to have a desire... To, it always gets down to desire. A desire to progress? Is that, is that what he... What does he desire? Uh, he needs to have a pure desire to deal with his own crap, shall we say. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It is a very good book, I think I mentioned last week, Post-Mortem Journal. Post-Mortem Journal. If you can get a copy of it, it's a very rare book and it's not published anymore. And if you can get a copy of it, get a copy of it. If anyone wants to type up a copy of it, I've got a copy, <laughs> and we can give it to everyone. How many places? I don't know. I think it's a couple hundred, but, or a hundred or so. Right. Written by Jane Sherwood. It's a copy. It's a description of uh, Lawrence of Arabia's passing, and in it he deals only with emotions. And it's a really, really good book because it focuses on the importance of dealing with emotions even when you're in the spirit world and also focuses on what happens energetically when a person refuses to deal with their emotions. Whenever, t whenever um, what was his name? T.E. Lawrence, was it? Lawrence of Rome. Whenever he decided to not deal with his emotions, he projected these emotions at his teacher and the teacher instantly left. And he didn't come back again until he owned his emotions. Can I type that up? Sure, I'll, I'll bring it next time when we come down. Yeah, yeah. That'd be great. There is a website you can go to that deals in out-of-print books. Yeah, that's where I got this book yeah. from. But but it's like, I don't think I'd have a hundred of them. Um, it's a fantastic book because it outlines, even in the spirit world, what's happening with regard to emotional processing. 
and the explanations that he received about his emotions. We could do it as a Word document and then email to everybody. It's an awesome book. It's really worth reading. Whenever you do that, whenever you block your emotion, you are instantly projecting it. You are instantly at that moment damaging everything around you. If you want to choose that, you can. You're allowed to. Because you've got free will. But do you want to keep choosing that? Really? Everybody's got free will, so many more people could be in prison if they executed what you're telling Why would they be in prison? How can feeling your causal emotion be illegal? Um, um, wicked thoughts, wicked emotions. Yeah, I'm not saying to act upon them. I'm saying to feel them. Did I ever say to act upon them? No. In fact, I've said quite the opposite, haven't I? Don't I don't want you all to become murderers just because you're angry. <laughs> right? So... It's when you act upon them that you cause damage to others, right? But, but it's not only when you act upon them, that, and this is what I'm saying. It's when you refuse to feel them from that moment you are causing damage to others. Whether you think you are or not. But aren't those so-called negative emotions like murder and all those sort of things, isn't there still something underneath that? Yes, totally. Yeah. Totally. So, yeah. If you're actually feeling your causal, you wouldn't end up in jail. Exactly. You know, I want to murder that person, but I'm really feeling it. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Exactly. So acknowledging and, ex and then accepting that feeling is not enough. You need to experience it. Um, yeah. People say, I acknowledge the feeling. Then, <laughs> second thing is, I accept the feeling. And then they say, that's enough, don't need to go to the third, which is to experience the feeling. The truth is that it's only this that will release it. So explain more about experiencing it. What if we have a break? <coughs> And we can uh, go to learn, do whatever we want, have a bit of a... And when we come back, we'll talk more about this. Yes. <laughs>